0: Just in time for the back-to-school season, a new novel is out about the trials and tribulations of being the class mom. The book is actually titled Class Mom. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. Coming up in this half hour, author Lori Gelman joins us to talk about what inspired her to write a novel about a year in the life of a kindergarten class mom. But first, another story many parents can relate to. Here's Meredith Fine Lichtenberg's touching tale about letting her son find his own way.
1: At our front stoop, my son would jump from the stroller and run down the sidewalk. It was a game he invented the first month of preschool. He ran away from me and waited. I would pretend to cry, missing him. Eventually, he'd run back to console me with a hug. I think we only played this game for a few weeks, but it left an indelible memory. I would ham it up on our quiet sidewalk, sobbing and wailing. I'd plead, don't leave. After a minute, he'd race back, giggling into my open arms. He'd ask the same thing every time. Why were you crying? I'd say. I missed you so much. We don't play made-up games so much anymore. We listen to music together. We speculate about plot developments in Game of Thrones, the books, not the TV show. We do okay for a mom and her 13-year-old son, but intimacy is more often found in side-by-side enjoyment of hilarious internet memes than big, earnest hugs. A decade ago, starting preschool was hard, Some mornings I had to fold his protesting body into the stroller. Some days I left him crying in the arms of the gentlest-looking teacher, then hid in the vestibule and listened for him to stop. More than once I cried alone on the stoop outside the school. I was so surprised that we both took this so hard, I hadn't seen it coming since I had always worked. I had thought we were used to separation already. I was new to parenting. I remember the first time he sang me a song he'd half learned at school, some song about a fire truck. He got to the second verse and said, how does the next part go? I had to explain that I didn't know. I hadn't been there when he had learned it. Of course, he knew I hadn't been there, but somehow he didn't realize that I didn't still know everything that had happened. As he grasped that, as the look of understanding came over his face, I felt something like heartbreak. He was building a life that I didn't know by heart we were moving apart from each other. I thought a lot then about how to help him get used to preschool. I probably overthought it. But he was the one who came up with the leaving game, running away from me in the stroller, literally playing out his feelings, watching me pretend to cry, deciding when to run back to my arms. I was delighted. I wish I'd thought of the game myself, which now seems sort of piggish of me. We played for a few days and then it changed. One day he ran to the next building stoop. Hey, he called. I'm all the way at 708. He didn't need to point it out. I was already wondering whether it was safe to let him go that far. Next, he ran to the tree even farther. And then he ran all the way to the corner. A New York City block is about 200 feet long. My preschooler had run the whole block and left me squinting through my fake tears. I had to fake sob at the top of my lungs now for him to hear me as he stood so far away, yelling, I'm all the way over here! What if someone came by right now and saw us? I thought, and then, soberingly, what if he went into the street? Even if I ran after him now, I thought, he had time to dart into the street and be hurt in a dozen gruesome ways. But he had never darted into the street before, not once. He never left my side on our daily walks. He knew it wasn't safe. He knows not to step into the street, I told myself. And I knew it was right. He could be trusted to stay there. Could I be trusted to let him? It's been ten years since we played the leaving game. He got used to preschool and then big kid school. He learned to cross the street and later to navigate our neighborhood. Last year, wearing sneakers several sizes bigger than mine, he started taking himself to school by subway. I've let him range and come back, and we've both built a tolerance for it more than we had then. But as we near my 14th Mother's Day, I know we're on the cusp of something new. This month, according to our religious tradition, he'll become a man. And though his face is still smooth and his voice still high, he's less and less troubled when I don't know all the lyrics to a song he's learned. Soon it will be him leaving me that causes pain, not the other way around. It's hard to let him go. When we played the leaving game, he was young enough that I could tell myself the game was just for him. I could imagine it was just a way for a little boy who still believed that I made the weather to sort out his fears of separating. But that day that he ran all the way to the corner, I was afraid too. Not just afraid that he'd run into the street, but uncomfortable with how much distance between us felt okay, aware that my own anxiety could clip his wings in a way that made us both unhappy. That day, somehow, I got it right. I remember breathing deeply. I told myself, how nice he must feel, alone and free, knowing I'll hang out here waiting for him to come back. How joyful to stretch his legs and run the whole block. He's just 200 feet away. Let him have that. Don't ruin it for him, I thought, a decade ago. And I stayed put, and breathed, and waited, and my fake sobs were not really fake, and it was really hard. He started running back in just a few moments, but it felt like a long time, and I told him with real tears that I had missed him. He wasn't the same boy who'd left, and I wasn't the same mom. A change is coming soon, a different kind of leaving game that won't be so much a game for him. This time, I expect that the waiting will feel much longer.
0: That was Meredith Fine Lichtenberg. She's a board-certified lactation consultant, parenting educator, and nonfiction writer in Manhattan. Meredith is the mother of two. A version of her essay appeared in the spring 2007 issue of The Mom Egg. It's that time of year when parents are gearing up to send their kids back to school after summer vacation. And just in time, a witty new novel is out that gives us a glimpse into the life of the class mom. The book is, in fact, called Class Mom. The author is Lori Gelman. Before turning to writing, Lori spent more than two decades working in broadcasting in Canada and the United States, including stints with Good Morning America and CBS The Early Show. She joins me now in the studio. Lori, thanks so much for coming in.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: First of all, congratulations, because
2: this is your debut novel. I know. At the ripe old age of 53, I finally decided <laughs> to write a book.
0: How exciting is it?
2: It's really exciting. You know, I've been a writer my whole life. Basically, I did news writing and, I, and uh, other blogging and things like that. But doing a novel is an entirely different ball of wax.
0: What inspired you to write a novel?
2: time on my hands and a story to tell and a creative gene that just didn't wasn't being satisfied doing other things.
0: A story about a class mom. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, the impetus of the story is that I really wanted to write a children's book. I thought that would be fun and easy, which is the biggest joke, because there's nothing easy about writing a children's book or getting one published. It's very, very difficult. And um, I wrote what I thought was a great children's book, and it was my my agent's job to take me out for lunch one day and say, like, 37 people have already said no to this book, so I think I'm running out of options. And um, I think I was saying, you know, oh, what a day. You know, I'm class mom and this is happening and these parents are driving me crazy. And I was he was laughing his head off at my stories. And he said, you know, that's your book. And it hadn't even occurred to me to write about something like that because I do like to go to school in Manhattan and I don't want to be drummed out. So um, I very carefully wrote, you know what I thought was um, a good compromise.
0: How long did you serve as a class mom yourself?
2: Five soul-sucking years.
0: <laughs> soul-sucking, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty thankless job?
2: It's a thankless job. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a good job. People should take it. You should um, respect your class parent because they're doing it for free. No one's paying them. Um, and, it's, and it can be a lot of fun, but there are always parent dynamics. There's always politics. There's always walking a thin line to make sure you're not um, pissing anybody off.
0: So for folks not familiar with what it means to be a class mom, what does the job entail?
2: Usually the, the class mom is someone who is the liaison between the teacher and the parents, and they um, organize the class trips, volunteers for class trips, and the class party and the gift for the teacher and just anything else that needs to be sent out as a mass email basically for so everybody knows about it.
0: Now, did you volunteer to be a class mom?
2: I wanted to be a class <laughs> mom. My first year at school they uh, they didn't let me and I was so so disappointed. So finally I think by my my older daughter's second year in in like grade 2, I got a chance to be the class mom and um it wasn't as much fun as I thought it was. It when it was great and I loved going in the classroom and seeing her and she loved it as well. Uh, but I felt like I wasn't getting through to these parents enough. So the next time I was class mom, which was the next year, I decided to take a different tact and I started to make it a little more fun. And I would with your
0: emails. With
2: my emails. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, they started out just really fresh and fun, like, Hey everybody, you know, hey, look at this. Hey, over here, there's a puppet. You know, <laughs> like anything to distract them and make them wanna you know, I'd say, hey, who's bringing the jello shots to the class party? You know, just stuff to – so that they'd go, oh, my God, did she really write that? And um, it sort of grew unto itself. And I became known as the fun class mom who would – I'd give out awards at the end of the year for the person who um, was the quickest with the response time, and I would – um, say, you know, oh, you should be class mom next year. You're really good at, at organizing things. I just had a really good time with it.
0: The class mom in your book is Jen Dixon. Mm-hmm. She's an older mom. She's 48 years old. You have two kids in real life. She has three kids, two college-age girls, and then her son in kindergarten, yes. Max.
2: Yes, Long story about that. <laughs> she was kind of a wild child after college. Went she was a groupie. To, she, I love, yeah, I love, I, I think that she lived the life that I would have lived if I was, <laughs> you know, allowed to, but uh, she went to Europe, she slept around with a lot of bands, had two kids in three years and came home. And
0: basically. then she found her soulmate.
2: And she found her soulmate when she was older, so now she has these two girls in college and she's very happily married and has what she calls the dessert of her parenting life, which is her son Max, and uh, he's now starting kindergarten, so she's been through this all before. She's This is not her first trip to the rodeo, and she just wants to make sure it's not the same old trip all over again. She wants to you know, bring some new energy into this classroom.
0: And the book starts with one of Jen's snarky emails.
2: Which is verbatim one of the emails I sent to my class, uh, I think the second year I was class mom.
0: What kind of reaction did you get when you were sending those emails? I
2: got great reactions. I mean, I had people emailing me, like, love your emails. This is so funny. Um, I had one woman who didn't I really, she said, I had to ask my husband, you know, if if she was kidding because, I, you know, it really just, dis- disturbed her, some of the things I was saying. But it was all meant in jest and, and lots of fun. And um, people generally enjoyed it. And then until they didn't.
0: You got fired.
2: I got fired from being class parent.
0: How does one get <laughs> fired from a volunteer position as a class mom?
2: Well, all you have to do is is write the wrong thing and upset the wrong person. And they go to the right person. And then you get that call that we, we'd have to ask you to step down as class parent.
0: How did you feel when you got fired?
2: Devastated. I was because it really was it was a reflection of the job I was doing and the enjoyment I was getting out of the job by writing these emails. And I had never had bad feedback about the emails. I'd been doing it for years and then all of a sudden it was like it was the first one I'd ever written. And it wasn't any more acerbic or weird than the others, but it just happened to hit a note with somebody who didn't enjoy the humor and went to the Head of the PTA, and and that was the end of me.
0: Now Jen also gets fired as class mom. Yeah. but then she comes back, and she is sort of co-class momming with someone else.
2: Right? Did but you go back? I didn't go back. You didn't? No, I put a fatwa on the PTA. <laughs> they will never see me again. But actually, it's funny. I am. The first, for the first time in years, this coming year, I am the class mom for my 11th grader's class. You went back. I'm back, and only because I need material for another book. <laughs> Kidding. I don't need that. But... um they asked me. I thought it was time. And also, in 11th grade, the only thing you have to do is write emails.
0: Oh, so you so, have plenty of experience with so I'm like, you okay. Have a lot of fun with it. You
2: asked me. I didn't <laughs> ask for this job. If you want it, you got it.
0: Now, you're married to Michael Gelman, who is the executive producer of Live with Kelly and Ryan now. <laughs> it
2: doesn't trip off anybody's it doesn't. tongue I'm yet. still saying Regis, Regis and, and Kathy, Kathy Lee. Lee. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Believe me. And I
0: understand that you're pretty good friends with Kelly Rippa. Yeah.
2: Well, we, we've known each other for so many years. It's crazy. I and mean, she
0: encouraged you, though, not to be a class not mom. Not to be a
2: class mom. Well, you know, it's, it's one of those funny things where, I, you know, I, I go to her because she, she had Michael, who was older, and then Lola and Jamie were our, our first kids together. And I was so excited to be chosen as class mom. And I said, you're not going to believe this. I'm class mom this year. She goes, why would you do that? It was like I told her I was the head of the AV team or something like that. She you know, like, why would you ever do that? Just say No. But I.
0: But you did it. I
2: didn't. I did. I didn't. I and I. I you know what? I, I write a very you know a snarky book about it, but it really is a lot of fun. And I try to have fun with the book. And I mean, certainly, what happens in class, mom, didn't happen to me. On any level, I mean, I hope nobody has an experience like like there is in this book. I mean, because that would be a pretty crazy class. Well, let's
0: talk about Max's teacher, yeah. Miss Ward. Ms. I guess Ward. then, not based on a real life teacher. That no, you encountered.
2: I hope not. I hope nobody <laughs> has a teacher like Miss Ward. She's a little bonkers.
0: You say Miss Ward has crazy eyes.
2: Crazy eyes, you can always tell. You know what I'm talking about.
0: Let's talk about the classroom, because you say that Miss Award's classroom, you say this about it. Think Pee Wee's Playhouse and then vomit Disney crap all over it. (laughs) Have you encountered a classroom like that?
2: I have. And actually, it was from when I was a kid. I had a teacher who would put up. First thing she did was fill every wall was a billboard. You you could barely see the the windows because there were billboards everywhere. Then she would staple um, wrapping paper onto all the billboards just for the first pop of color. That was the first thing. And then there would be cartoons and, and pom-poms. And you can't even imagine. It was literally like everywhere you looked was a, a feast for your eyes of color and excitement.
0: And that's Miss Ward's classroom in the book. Yeah. And when Jen and Ron, her husband, go to see Miss Ward, she asks them to sit in children's seats, like kid chairs. I'm not a parent, so I've never had to have a parent-teacher conference, but does that actually happen? Do yes! teachers have you sit in little kids' chairs?
2: Yes, you sit in you, in these teeny tiny chairs with your knees up to your chin, and I always wonder, and all three of you do it. Like, the, the teacher does it as well, and I'm and you're at their little desks, and you're, you know... Talking about your kid, I find it so weird that they don't just bring in grown-up chairs for the the day that it happens.
0: Among the characters in the book is Don Burgess. He's Jen's high school crush. such a fox. Yeah, such a fox. That's how you refer (laughs) to him in the book. A lot of flirtatious texting going back and forth between Jen and Don. Yeah. Real-life experience?
2: No. And you know what's funny? Uh, I'm not a flirter on any level. I'm I'm so happily married, and I love my husband, and I've lost any game that I ever had at any time. But I am good friends on Facebook with an old boyfriend from high school named Bruce Lipka, and he's a tennis uh, teacher in, I don't even know where, somewhere in Washington. And I, I emailed him, and I said, look, I know... That we're not, I said, but if you were sexy texting with somebody, what would it sound like? <laughs> so, like, what would you say to me? So he, he sent me like one or two things, and I sent something like one or two things back, and he goes, Yeah, that's about it. And I'm like, All right, thanks. Didn't speak to him again. But that was really helpful, and I needed that help because I have no idea how to flirt anymore.
0: When Michael read the book, did he start to question them?
2: No, he didn't. He just, <laughs> no, he, well, he never picked that part out, that's for sure. <laughs> now I don't know if he's questioned it.
0: Jen's mom, Kay, she's quite the quirky character. Yeah.
2: If there's anybody she's based on, it's my grandmother. Is that right? Just yeah, just a different box of chocolates altogether.
0: What makes her so quirky?
2: <laughs> the, my my grandmother or, or Jen's Well, mom, I guess the combination, it's, it's right? It's kind of the same. I mean, it was the the um, mentality of this could be the last dime we ever have, so let's hold on to it, and just their whole, you know, Christian, very straight, everything has to be the right way mentality. All, all the good, but the the funny parts that go along with that good.
0: Let's talk about kids with allergies, because poor Shirlene and her kid Graydon in the book. Graydon has an allergy to nuts, and Shirlene is kind of over-the-top concerned about it. Do you think that parents are a little too over-the-top when it comes
2: to food allergies? You know, it's such a it's such a tight line that you walk here, because it is no joke. I mean, when a, when a kid has an allergic reaction, it is horrible. And I know a lot of kids that carry around EpiPens, but there's also the... The questioning of, really? I mean, he's allergic to airborne dust? Really? I mean, how far can we go? And I remember the biggest faux pas I ever did as a mom was we were in a room, and and they were talking about—all the parents were there, and they're talking about the one child that has a peanut allergy. So please, please, you have to be so careful. It's a severe peanut allergy. Or no, they said nut allergy. And I raised my hand. I said, well, who's, who's the kid with the nut allergy? And everyone went, oh! because you're not supposed to ask uh, right and all I wanted to know was we we would give Jamie soy butter instead of peanut butter and was that okay or are they allergic to soy as well but the fact that i even suggested that somebody tell me who the kid was or I, actually i didn't even care who the kid was but i wanted to know who the mother was so that i could say is soy okay but yeah it, it's it's a really it i know i i sort of poke a little fun about it in the book and that's because a lot of people we all sort of you know have a little fun with it but I'm not making fun of kids' and allergies at all. Yeah,
0: but I would imagine, though, as a class mom, you need to be so sensitive to all of these different types of concerns. It makes it challenging. I would yeah, think. it
2: is challenging, especially when literally peanut butter is one of the three things your kid will eat and mm-hmm. you can't bring peanut butter. It's really, it's it makes it really difficult. Someone's got to figure this out.
0: What would you say was your favorite scene to write in the book? There are so many funny, funny scenes.
2: Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I'd have to think about it for a second. Um, I think it wasn't really a funny scene. My favorite scene. It was the the coming together of um, Jen and her husband when when Ron when um, after they've had the fight after he's found the the texting mm-hmm. and they have the fight and they have to make up and and it's like make that first initiating of the conversation and and how it all rolls out into her insecurities and how she feels about herself at the ripe old age of forty eight. You know,
0: class picture day is a great scene <laughs> in the book. How serious do you People take class picture day in school.
2: I, I sort of went over the top on that. I don't know if anybody <laughs> takes it quite that seriously, but I wanted to do. You want
0: another parent who is braiding the right? kid's hair. <laughs> I know. Well,
2: she was very, she was a very serious parent and she had her own way of doing things. So I had to sort of, that's, I had to make something happen where Jen messed with the other class moms. So I, I, I it was what I thought of.
0: And I'm not going to give it away, but I do love what Jen does. It's a choice of <laughs> snack and it's great fun. Thank you. Jen hates Halloween.
2: So does Lori Gelman. Really? Yeah. Why? That's another thing. Oh, I hate the dressing up and the going door to door asking for candy. It's just something about it. Even as a kid, I never liked it. And it was so nice to be able to write a character who didn't like it either and agrees with me on it. But, uh, yeah, she's – and I do do what she does, which is – when kids come to the door, they have to show a trick in order to get a treat. Really, and nobody thinks that's funny anymore. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants to do a trick.
0: What good tricks have you seen, though? Uh, none. None. <laughs> <People> <laughs> come, they, they sort of look at you. Or they'll,
2: they'll 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 burp or they'll you know little. I mean, they're little kids. They'll you know jump up and down three times, so and I'm like, that's great. But it just it, to me, it's like you, you don't get anything for nothing. You know, you have to if you want your candy, you, you got to earn it. You got to earn, yeah. earn the
0: candy. Another thing you bring up in the book is anti-TV parents, parents who don't like for their kids to watch television. Where do I, you stand on that?
2: I don't get those parents. I mean that must that's amazing to me if you if you don't if you don't have to plunk your kid in front of a TV for 20 minutes so that you can get anything done. Um I think that television for kids can be so educational and so enlightening. And my both my kids learned to uh, the alphabet and to count on Sesame Street. And obviously we reinforced it, but that really, that's, you know, they were listening, they were seeing, they were learning. And I think that anybody who's like, oh, no, we don't let our child watch TV, well, what century do you live in? You know, like, you're just going to make them seem like a freak when they go to school and they're like, I've never heard of Grover. I've never (laughs) heard of Elmo, you know.
0: Jen has a motto, never say never. Is that Lori Gelman's motto, too?
2: Um. I think my motto is a little more pessimistic, but um, but I like to think that you you can do anything at any age. And believe me, writing a first novel at 53 is is a never say never moment for me.
0: How long did it take you to write the novel? Two years. Two years. Yeah. What was the most challenging part of the process, would you say?
2: Sticking with it. I mean, you have this great idea, and you have this burst of energy. After that lunch with my agent, I went home and I wrote 20 pages immediately, and I just like vomited out this. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this story's going to write itself," and then it really doesn't. And what what I learned along the way is you have to treat it like a job. That every day after I go to my exercise class or whatever, I take two hours. I went to the same Starbucks, 87 in Broadway in the city. And I sat there for two hours. And if I stared at my screen or if I did a lot of writing, it didn't matter. I made myself sit there. Sometimes it would turn into three hours and I would look up and be like, oh, my gosh, I got to go get the kids. I can't even believe I, you know, I fell into this hole for the three hours. And then other times, you know, you're looking around. I wouldn't let myself go on the Internet. That is a key, too, because there's that great meme where it's like you and then your life's goal. And then in the middle is the Internet. And it's a deep pit. And it's what what happens to people like they have all good intentions. They sit down. They want to get some work done. And then there's just so many distractions.
0: Were you sharing what you were writing along the way or did you wait until you had something more complete to share it with people?
2: No, I need constant uh, reinforcement. (laughs) I didn't show my husband because he's a tough critic and I didn't I knew I needed support rather than, you know, like, oh, you're doing this wrong and I don't like what you did. Um, Not that he's a bad guy, but he's he's he has an opinion and he'll he'll give it. I had a lot of girlfriends who were so patient. I mean, other class moms, people that were in my class who remember when I got fired, I would show them. People would send me the emails that they had received from me um, and say, oh, remember when you wrote this one? Because I didn't have a lot of them, you know. And uh, it was very, very helpful. And everybody's opinion is is um, every little nugget somebody gives you is something to listen to and just go, oh, yeah, you know, really, I'll think about that. Thank you.
0: What did you learn about yourself in doing this project?
2: Um, that I'm funny because I'm not funny. I mean, that's you,
0: surprising to me because I can't tell you how many times I laughed out loud reading this
2: book. I'm so glad to hear that because if you had anybody describe me, funny would not be in the first 10 things that they say about me. And but it's all going on in my head. It's like I have this cocktail party of hilarity in my head that never comes out of my mouth. And this gave me a chance to get it out, and and it's like, that was a good line. I knew that was funny, you know. But I, it doesn't come out quickly. It doesn't come right out of my mouth. I mean, the people that are so quick, that are just so lightning fast with the jokes, I, I, I admire them so much because it takes me ages. But when I come up with it, it's a good one.
0: What in the book makes you laugh the most when you look back at it now?
2: Uh, I'll tell you what I'm most proud of. There's a line that I wrote that I'm so proud of, and it was when... um. Without giving too much away, it's when they go see the band Sucker Punch Hmm. play, and the last line in that chapter, where I say in that friends is how two mortal enemies become good friends, and and I think it started with a Sucker Punch, and I was so happy with that line, it was ridiculous, and I think at one point one of the editors suggested I take it out because it wasn't a great way to end the end the chapter, and I was like, absolutely not, that's my favorite line in the whole book, I'm keeping that in.
0: There's a line in the book that I related to quite a bit, and that's when Jen says she thinks it's nice when tall people find other (laughs) tall tall people people. and short people, too, although she feels sorry for their kids because, let's face it, they don't have a shot. They don't have a shot. I'm (laughs) 5'1".
2: Are you married? I'm not. (laughs) But
0: I'll tell you, both my parents are short. Yeah,
2: I mean, it is what it is, but it is true. Yes,
0: no, it's true. I saw that. True or false? Hot goes with hot. Average goes with average.
2: Unless there's a lot of money involved. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you don't like my saying that, then, you know, you've never walked into an expensive restaurant where a guy looks like he's having dinner with his granddaughter until he starts making out with her. You know,
0: <laughs> Max's class goes on field trips. One of them was to a recycling facility, although they thought it was a dump. Another funny thing in the book, they also go to a chocolate factory. Did you go on a lot of class trips as a class mom?
2: I did, but I never went to either one of those places. Um, Class trips for us were usually either apple picking outside of the city. You know, as city kids, um, you know, the big thing is to get outdoors and and do something um, or go to the museum. But they were always fun. I mean, class trips are always a a good time, and the kids really are so glad that you're there and so appreciate it. I did do the Staten Island ferry trip once. And once is enough for that one.
0: (laughs) Now, you set the novel not in New York City, though, in Kansas City. Right. How come?
2: Because a couple of reasons. I didn't want to get kicked out of New York City's school system for, you know, writing about it. But also, I feel like the Upper East Side moms have been played out. They've been covered. They get a lot of, you know, earned or not, they get a bad rap. And I just didn't want to read – I didn't want to read another book about them. And I thought, this is a universal slap in the face, being a class parent. This is not something that is unique to New York because I talked to friends of mine all over the country. They all said the same thing. Oh, like, you, did you, were you a class parent? Yes. How was that? Oh. And it doesn't mean it's a horrible job. It doesn't mean anything except that everybody has a story about how it went wrong for them.
0: What was your favorite, absolute favorite part of being a class mom?
2: Getting to see my daughters. In, I mean, what it is is – you drop them off, and then an hour later you walk in, and they're like, oh, Mommy! It's just, it's an also, to see them in another environment, sometimes if they forget you're there and they're just interacting with their class, it's great to see them in that uh, environment.
0: And what would you say is your best single piece of advice that you can give to anyone listening who might be a class
2: mom? Oh, a class mom, make it fun. You know, you're not going to, you, you get what you give. So give a little more, and you'll get a lot more back. Should there be class dads? There are class dads. There are class dads. It's like having a husband, really. You just have to (laughs) tell them what to do and they do it. (laughs) I'm sorry to, to insult all the class dads out there, but that was my experience. It was like you had to give them a job jar. Like, oh, look at how much fun this is! Pick a pick a job. <laughs> yes, type up this list. Yes, exactly. Good. Go do that.
0: Delegate. Delegate. Delegate to the class dad. Is <laughs> <Yeah>. that it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Can you see class mom becoming a major motion picture?
2: Oh, absolutely! It's going to be. I don't know. I mean, I I would hope so. I didn't write it as a as a, with a movie in mind. I wrote it definitely as as just a story, but. Um, so many people have said, "Oh, I can see this as a movie, or I can see this as a TV series," which is really flattering. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do you know anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I would love to have that happen.
0: Who would you want to play Jen Dixon? Have you ever thought of that?
2: I have. I mean, I love. I mean, everybody loves Tina Fey, right? Every Every writer wants Tina Fey to play their main character, and I think that that she would be a great Jen Dixon. But I'm I'm really open to suggestion because she she's. Not so specific in her looks or her style or her height or weight that, that um, I've nailed down one person. So I think it, it could be open to just about any comedic actress.
0: The book is Class Mom. Lori Gelman, thank you so much for coming in. It was my pleasure. Class Mom is published by Henry Holt and Company. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Caroline Rotante. I'm George Bolarki. Thank you so much for listening.